<clears throat> I have a couple of announcements I need to make uh, real quick. Uh, just a real quick thank you. Uh, I don't know if April would like to say anything or not this morning, but for past appreciation last week, we said a lot, but we want to say again, just thank you so much. Um, the, the, the seed that you guys sowed into our lives, the, the honor that you showed us, and that matters to us. We, we are not those types of pastors that demands a whole lot from people. Uh, we, do a, we do demand a lot from ourselves. We want to love you where you're at, and we want to love you enough not to leave you there. I, I, I believe Jesus is like that. Um, but we want to say thank you again. Sometimes in services it, it gets lost in the mix, but it, it, was, it was a great joy to us uh, <clears throat> to be able to, to relax and enjoy ministry last week and, and enjoy uh, you guys honoring us as your pastors. And, and to be quite honest with you, honor goes in two directions. Uh, I've been in those churches where the pastor demanded honor and he didn't honor anybody. Uh, and I've been in those churches where uh, the pastor honored the people and the people ran all over the pastor. And thank God we ain't either one of them. Amen. We, we, we are... We are love responding to love, and that's what real worship is. Amen? Thank you again so much, and I just want to say that, and then, then I'll, I'm done. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of a series today, but I want to uh, uh, just real quick, if you're a guest here or a visitor, and uh, this is one of your first times here, there's a card behind you or in, in the chair in front of you. Just fill it out front and back and get with uh, Danny. Kaylee, where's David? David's in the back with the kids. So one of those three, they'll be more than happy to, to help you out. Um, <clears throat> we'll be announcing another baptism date very, very soon if you're interested in baptism. Uh, we've already had one person ask, so we're, we're going to be getting another baptism date together very soon. Uh, uh, is that it? Is there anything else I'm supposed to announce? I think that's it. You got anything you want to say real quick before I get rocking here? You sure? I'm good. She said I'm good. All right. Today we're starting a series. It's going to be a very short series. The plan is for it to be just two Sundays uh, this week and next week. We'll see where we end up. Uh, last time I started a one-part series, it went nine parts. So this is the plan. It's just going to do two. And the series is called Missing Person. Um, uh, the thing is, what people don't understand is Jesus came to open up the door for everyone to be able to have complete and total unfettered access to the king. And when Jesus came, he came for people. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, not those. To seek and to save that which was lost. And that which was lost was relationship. If you've ever been in a marriage or if you've ever been in a relationship with a friend or somebody you've grown up with your whole life and, and something goes sideways in that relationship and then there's a tear and there's a rip there. Now, some people you need to stop listening to, praise the Lord. But if there's, if there's just a rift in that relationship, it just don't feel right. Years down the road, things just don't feel right. And then when it begins to come back together, uh, <clears throat> and, and it's, like you, it's like you never missed a beat. You just, you're just back in, in the habit again. And, uh, you know, Jesus came to take that to a whole nother level. He came to open up a door for you to understand that you are already everything you need to be. But through the blood of Jesus, you learn to access it and operate it and work it into your life. Most people will accept Jesus and, and go to church and do all those things. But what we've done is this. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures here in a minute, but i got to get this out. Because if I don't get this out, none of the rest of it will matter. We have, and I say we being the ministers of the gospel, the church at large, not this church, but the church at large. What we've done <clears throat> is we've created an atmosphere that if you will act, say, do, and go through the religious calisthenics, if you'll show up at church every Sunday, if you'll tithe, if you'll give, if you'll pray, if you'll shout, if you'll sing, if you'll serve, you'll go to heaven. That's not true. Sin, listen to me, this is, I always lose people, but I don't believe I'm going to lose you. 
Sin does not send you to hell. It's the rejection of Jesus Christ. And as you reject Jesus Christ, you're certainly in a world of sin, but you were there before. I know y'all holy and stuff. But here's the thing. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you begin to get a covering. You begin to get a shield. You begin to get a buckler. You begin to, get, uh, you begin to, to understand that now you have a way into heaven. This is what grace is for. Grace is not for you to live a lifestyle and say, well, God loves me. That's not what grace is. Grace is the empowerment of Jesus for you to overcome whatever you're dealing with. And, and when you learn that God's given you a grace not to remain in struggle, but a grace to remind you you were anointed to break the very thing that's ruling you, now you're moving over into a place that God's called you to. That's what's missing. So what happens is this. Jesus came because God had missing people in his life. He needs you. He needs you as his voice. He needs you as his eyes, as his hands. He needs you as his love, as his conduit on this earth. He needs you to be able to do everything on this earth that he's ordained you to do because he needs you here. You have been given legal right. Oh, Jesus, throw these notes away. Here we go. <laughs> we, we ain't getting to Luke, y'all. <laughs> When God created this earth, he created this, word, or this world under his word, which was a legal authority. The minute that, that he, Adam was created, he told Adam, you name the animals. You name the tree. You do all this. So he said, that's a lion. That's an elephant. That's a hippopotamus, which is a unicorn with an eating disorder. That is, that is all of these things. And God was checking to see if the download was correct. That if everything he said was the way he saw it. Then he gave legal authority to Adam. Which means that, listen, at that point, Adam had control. God didn't have control. This, this whole God's in control sermon y'all keep listening to, y'all need, need to take that CD and make a coaster out of it. Because it's useless. Because if God was in control, why are you hurting? If God's in control, why are you broke? If God's in control, why are your kids wondering where you at? If God's in control, why, why is it that kids don't see God in you? If God's in control, if we're going to put that on him like every problem in the world is his fault, then we don't even have to pray. I'm going to go up here. Because what we've got to understand is legal right was given to Adam, and that legal right was transferred to the enemy. When he gave it over, when they listen, now I don't have time to get into Adam and Eve. Y'all know my, that to me that's, that this whole thing about Adam rebelling is wrong. Adam made a mistake, but he didn't rebel. Y'all looking at me funny. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. So if, if y'all get mad, it's y'all's fault. Adam, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Adam, God took Adam, laid him to rest, took his rib out, created Eve, God saw Adam and Eve, and he blessed them together. Now, let's not get into this whole thing of, of whose fault what was. The mindset in the church is, and this is not where I was planning on going. The mindset in the church is that Eve was listening to a serpent talk to her, and Adam was not there doing his job. Now, I've heard about a thousand lady teachers tell me that. They don't know their Bible. Adam was standing right there next to her, 
checking her like God checked him. Why are you not speaking to this thing causing you problems? By the way, why aren't y'all speaking to the things causing you problems? Why are you letting this world rule you? Why are you letting something that you are over tell you how you're going to live your life? So as Eve was listening to the serpent, he said, I will make you like God, which is exactly what he tried to do. So here's the thing. Listen to me now. Some of y'all have heard this, but it's okay. Adam saw Eve, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, the love of his life. He didn't have Facebook. There was nobody on the side. It was just them. (laughs) Praise the Lord, no TV. And he saw her separate herself. And out of hurt, pain, brokenness, and love, he made the decision, I'm going to get. He was so much like Jesus. Y'all don't even understand. You're not going to read before that text or after that text where Adam rebelled ever again. He didn't have it in his nature. The only thing in his nature was save. And he went to get her thinking he being like God could bring her back. And he moved over into something without holy consultation. Every problem in your life is a decision you made without holy consultation. And we will justify that by saying God's in control. No, no. Every, every, every single problem I've ever had, I can trace back to a prayer problem. Every issue I ever had, I could trace back to where I didn't walk in love first. Everything I've dealt with in my life comes back to this. Now look, this series missing. This is exactly, we are recreating. Y'all, is this, this gospel is fixing to be so simple to you. Every single day of your life, you're recreating what happened in the garden. You're making a choice. Am I going to consult God before I tackle this problem, or am I just going to go fix it? And anytime you just go fix it, you cause yourself problems. He had compassion because somebody in his life was missing. God knew you were missing. He knew he needed you back. But he knew he had no legal right here. Are y'all with me? He had no rights here. Oh, but he's God. He's sovereign. Sovereign is not the same thing as control. He gave his word that, Adam, you're now in charge. Which means when Adam gave that charge over to Satan, the same word played in. Satan was now in charge. Jesus came, took it back, took keys. There was bloodshed, which is how the contract had to end and a new contract begin. And blood was shed. So now all of that blood that's on you puts you in control. But he wants you to use the word. Y'all make me work. Jesus wants you whole. Amen. You're missing. I remember when I was a when I was a kid. Some of y'all will remember this. Y'all remember? I, th- I think the little girl's name was Jessica. I can't remember. In Texas, I was, was in the early or late '80s, early '90s. She fell down the well in Texas. Y'all remember that little girl? Imagine that mama. She knew where she was at. She could hear her. They were feeding her. They were giving. She knew she was there, but she couldn't. She was missing. 
Now, she, it, 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 tell me, I know there's mamas in here. You would, you would tear your fingers to the bone scratching down the end of that pipe to get to that kid if possible. Amen. But it was impossible without help. People came in from around the world with tools that were specially designed to dig with water and to not cause cave-ins to get that baby out. Millions, and at that time millions was actually millions. Millions of dollars were spent because one kid was missing. Captivated the whole world. Whole world stopped praying for that little girl. Jesus came, captivated the whole world. To go ahead and preemptively strike so you would never be missing again. Unless you choose to. Now, I hope this is okay. We may have three parts. Uh, I want to say a few things and then I know what the Lord told me to say when I walked in here this morning. And I was joking with the team and I told them it's going to take me, uh, God gave me one point. And it's going to take me 13 points to get it out. That's really not true. Because I see now over in the spirit, I see where God's wanting to take me. Things have shifted a little bit in this service because there are people in this room that you do get this. You just haven't been working this. See, the problem with Christians is we know a lot. We just don't do a lot. We're lazy. We're lazy spiritually. we're, We're lazy with the things of God. We're we're lazy with what God, and I'm saying this with all the love I have because I want to see everyone in this room free. And the only way that's going to happen is by doing the work. This last week has been one of the most hardest week, but so blessed. I've been able to shake some things off I haven't been able to get off in months because I did the work. We had a man standing here last week talking about honor, not just honoring a pastor, but what honor does. And I had, and, and it rebuked me sitting right there. It reminded me there were some things in my life, the gift he put on my life I wasn't honoring because you just preach sometimes. So this is where we're at as a church. It's time for you to start seeing results. It is God's desire that every time you pray, something happen every time. Now, that ain't going to start tomorrow. But the work should. Because it's not in him, it's in you. All God's answers are yes and amen. That's in the Bible. It's just your questions are wrong. Your questions are, God, don't you even care? Your questions are, God, why am I dealing with this? Your questions are, God, why is this person blessed and I'm over here struggling? God, why, why, why am I dealing with sickness when your word says I don't have to? God, why? No, no, no. The, the questions are wrong. The questions, this is one thing I know, uh, and from what little time I've spent around the legal profession, my wife, my wife, my sister running a law firm as I was growing up, and Sam, tell me if I'm wrong, most good attorneys know the answer to the question before they ask the question. So you know the answers to every question you're asking. You have it, we're just not using it. Do you understand he wants your heart whole? You know why? You, I'm, I'm going to give you two points. Number one, number one, point number one, the biggest problem in the world today is religion. Amen. The biggest problem in this world is religion. Everybody's got their own mindset of how things should go. Churches and denominations have signs over their buildings, and this is how it's supposed to be. And if you don't worship like this, you're not this. You need to go to that church. If you're not this, you're that. And the truth is, is none of those things matter. You've got to get clean and clear with God. Religion 
is the word and structure with no relationship. The Bible itself says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I can stand, listen, I've been in churches that can beat you with that word and you get nothing. But I've been in churches, you know, I've been in places where the, the breath of the Holy Spirit moves through because people love people and lives are completely changed. Now, Jesus said this, I came to seek and to save that which was lost, the relationship, the opportunity to wrap your arms around somebody. There was a, about five or six years ago in Chile, y'all remember the, the, was it like 120 miners that were trapped underneath? The world stopped to watch you. They're going to get them out. You, I was, they, they, here, here's what's funny about the media. We heard about the guy that had a wife and a girlfriend, and they met each other at the hole. That's what we met him. That's what we heard about. We heard about, well, when he comes out, is he going to choose his wife or going to choose his girlfriend? That's what we heard about. What we didn't hear was that there was a Christian down there, and that 75 of those 120 gave their life to Jesus and down, in, down locked in. If they die, they go into heaven. Well, I don't believe in that deathbed salvation. Good, don't die. I mean, you know, now this is y'all's fault. Y'all pulled me off my notes. Y'all know that, right? (laughs) So, if perfect love casts out all fear, perfect religion opens the door for it. Because in religion, there is no love. There, There is no structure that has to do with freedom that's only do what I say. You cannot... Do spiritual calisthenics to heaven. You have to believe your way there. You have to love your way there. You have to understand. Now, that's point number one. Point number one, religion is what's stopping the church. Number two, the church doesn't know who it is. Now, I'm going to say this. It's 1142, and this is the point the Lord told me to come and say. And then if I'm done in the next eight minutes, praise the Lord. If I'm not, which I probably won't be. Just bear with me. Now, listen, I want everybody right here. Now, that when, when God spoke this to me yesterday, driving back from Canaan land, it shook me. Jesus is how God sees you already. Amen. Jesus is the representative of how God already sees you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to gain it. You don't have to give for it. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to worship and run around. You get to do all those things, but God sees you in the image of Jesus. Jesus is. He was sent here, number one, to be an example for you of how to live, but number two, to show you how much God would do for you if you just put him first. And it's not an issue of putting yourself, listen, Jesus not only is the example of how God sees us, Jesus is the example of how God wants us to operate. Did you ever see Jesus pray for somebody and then go, well, doggone, let's do that again? No. The only time in the Bible that ever happened, he walked by a fig tree. Now, listen, let's, let's deal with this. Jesus walked by a fig tree, and he walked to it because he was hungry. 
Now listen, I'm going to trust that y'all are spiritual enough to go look these scriptures up yourself. Now we roll them with the Spirit here. Jesus walked up to this fig tree because he was hungry. His body was hungry. And there was, the fig tree was in bloom, but there was no figs. So Jesus cursed it at its root and walked on. Now, good old Pentecostal people like me, we'd be like, in the name of Jesus, you will die. And then after 10 minutes, if it ain't dead, we're going to go get an ax. Jesus just walked away. Number one, he did that because it was showing fruit, but it had none. Having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof. And then when they came back through, the tree was just completely withered because what was sustaining it up until that point was a lie. And when you're in religion, there comes a time when you realize, I can do this on my own. I can be in bondage all by myself. And you break away from what's real because you were never really introduced to it. See, the heartbeat of this church is for you to believe, belong, become, to experience God and enjoy life. For you to believe that Jesus is your Savior. Period. For you to find a place to belong because we love everybody where they're at. We take you no matter where you came from. And to become everything you already are. Amen. Our job, our job as pastors is just to, just to just chip away. Just chip away at the hard heart. Just chip away. Just, just peel off the layers. Now, <clears throat> if Jesus, are y'all okay? I know y'all getting a little quiet. If Jesus is how God sees you. You know how honored you should be to have his breath in you? To know that in Walmart that you could change somebody's life? My God, everybody in Walmart needs a life change. (laughs) Hallelujah. My God, I'll smile till I pull in. Jesus, I'm at Walmart. I think there's Walmart demons. I think they kind of assigned them. I think they're on the payroll. Believe what you want to. Go look today when you go in there. (laughs) Now, I'm humbled by a few things because I told y'all the last few weeks have been really tough for me. Spiritual warfare is not easy. And people have come to me and talked to me and, and shared things with me and reminded me of things. And I'm so grateful for all that. But what's reminding of me, what has reminded me the most is for me to be driving in a car and, and me and my boys are just laughing and cutting up about life. And then all of a sudden, in my spirit, God says, you know, Jesus is how I see you. How do you hear that and not stop and say, wow, I screwed up. I got tired. I got weary and well. I got, I... See, I'm asking the wrong questions. See, because even on my worst day, listen, please listen. Please, please listen, word people. Even on my worst day, all God is waiting on me to say is I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am who you say I am. See, my dad died when I was very, very young. But I had the the great honor of spending, and it was not ideal. 
It was not ideal at a, a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy to spend all your, your quality time with your father in a cancer ward of a hospital. That's, that's not how God planned this. But thankfully, I had a dad. Now, let me just be honest with you. My dad didn't have to die with cancer, but he had nobody around him to teach him the word. We didn't know this stuff. But he had the wherewithal to know, I'm not going to be here to raise him. So he taught me in that hospital bed everything he could teach me about being a good man. Without Jesus, of course, just the best he knew. This is what he taught me. A good man, a good man is three things. A good man, a good man is somebody that if I sent my 10-year-old little boy with you, that little boy ain't going to hear nothing, see nothing, or smell nothing that he wouldn't if I wasn't there. That's a good man. Just that simple. If you have to hide something, you better check your good manness. So he taught me that. He also taught me how to eat. I ate on hospital trays my whole life, which has screwed me up. <laughs> Shut up, Drew. Seriously, when he was a little boy, I had a hospital tray. Remember that? I ate off of, I cut my food. Don't, y'all, I love you. Don't invite me to your house and put my food on top of each other. I love you. My food cannot touch. It's nasty. All you people who stir it up and eat it, y'all got problems. Y'all got issues. Now, I'm telling y'all that to make a point. All of that affected my life because I was impressionable, because my dad was my world. But now Jesus is. A lot of saved people. Jesus is not your world yet, but he needs to be. He needs to be. Because when he's your world, how he does things, how my dad, I remember, listen, this was before my dad got saved, but I remember as a little bitty, little bitty guy, five, four and five years old. This was before he quit smoking and all that stuff that he, he would, this was back in, some of y'all will remember this. They would all have breakfast and my mom would be cooking up. Then they, the guys would just sit around talking, drink coffee and kick back and smoke a cigarette and put it out in the plate. And, and, the, and my mom and, and sisters, they would lose their minds. Have you, are you Neanderthal? Are you a caveman? You know, but I always thought, now I'm, not, I'm five years old. I always thought, I'm going to do that. See how much it impacts? Good, bad, or ugly, you're impacting somebody. Somebody's always looking at you, especially if you call yourself a Christian. So when you engulf yourself in him, and when I'm driving along and he says, he says, when I see Jesus, I see you. That, let me tell you something. The modern church abuses that mindset. Now, I'm going to be very, very real. The modern church abuses that mindset, but it's very, very true that God's called us to be sons. And to be a son means that he's trusting you with who he is. He is, and it ain't got nothing to do with gender, but he has trusted you with his word. And the word was God and the word was made flesh. Y'all with me? Y'all, I, I ain't got off the Bible yet. Let's be very clear. I ain't got off the Bible yet. You, you can fact check me all you want to, Democrats. I don't care. Listen. <laughs> said that. Look, there she is. She, the, there's the rattler. I'm going over here. Listen, this is the thing. When you put yourself in a position to know what he's saying, when you put yourself in a position to move you out of the way, when you finally lay down what you think 
and you accept what he's saying, you accept what he's guiding, you accept what he's molding, you accept what he's leading, it changes the people around you. You are a world changer. You just don't know it yet. You changed three worlds. Let me tell you something. My kids knew me before I was saved, my oldest three. They knew the ponytail. They knew the pot. They knew the, they knew the dope. They knew they, they, could, they had to hide the food. Because me and my buddies would come in and get high and, and eat everything. And they saw Jesus. They didn't see me gradually change. They saw Jesus intervene in their life. And that's what I want for everybody in this room. I want people to look at you and know the moment that Jesus showed up and changed everything. Well, Pastor, that's great for you. That's one moment. No, no, no. That's every moment of your life. Every time you pray, Jesus should intervene. Every time that you use the word, and I mean use it with faith, things should happen. Every time that you go, not to the rule book, but the guidebook, you understand that you have been given authority. You have been given by grace, through faith, the ability to do what Jesus would do if he was standing right here. And listen, God said, I sent Jesus to show you who you were, so if you do it my way, I'll back you. What would you do if you could not fail? What would you do if money wasn't an issue? What is it that you would attempt? Can I just tell y'all something? You're waiting on perfect timing. Doesn't exist. I'm a big fan of politics. And lately I've gotten into watching YouTube videos of uh, the British Parliament which is so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Because it's really all they do is trade insults for an hour and a half. And there's this one young guy, he was uh, he's called the backbench. If you understand anything about the politics of Britain, they have, the level of bench that you sit on is the seniority you have. This young guy's up on the backbench. And he's trying to talk, and he's like, uh, uh, and they're, oh, they're all screaming. Dignified, suits, ties, pipes, screaming like three-year-olds. It's funny. And finally, the speaker calls order and looks at him and says, young man, if you're waiting on silence, you might as well quit now. Same thing. If you're waiting on the enemy to stop trying to get you to stop, quit now. But you're not a quitter. You're called to do amazing things. So I'm going to say this and then I'm going to wrap this up. I use examples of my life because it's just easier because I know what God's done. But the stories that I share, you have the same stories. Every single one of you have moments in your life where you should have died. Every single. And let me just, can, can I just mess with your world? The moment that you should have died but God brought you through, God had somebody halfway around the world praying in the Holy Ghost for it and you didn't even know it. We got to get past this whole Holy Ghost scares me thing. Y'all need to understand the power and praying in the Holy Ghost. So what we got to understand is not only are you important enough to God to intervene and save you, you're important enough for him to wake somebody up in India to pray for you. You are his value. You're his riches. You're his currency. And he needs you to be in operation to do things his way. Now, missing. This is why he needs us.
Jesus said, it's needful that I go away. Because if I go away, it opens the door for you to do so much more. Why would Jesus say that it's needful for me to go away? So you can, why would Jesus say that? Because it, he began to multiply himself. Amen. See, oh Lord, here we go. I'm, I'm going to try to get this done in four minutes. The garden was created. Listen, the garden was created for Adam and Eve to tend to, to take care of, and to increase. It was God's will for the Garden of Eden or the Garden of Peace to grow and cover the entire earth. That was the plan. That was the plan. The plan got messed up. Now, listen, you have Jesus who gave his blood to cover the entire earth. So that in your heart is the garden of peace. Amen. Isn't that good? Y'all quit looking to the preachers and the famous people for prayer. You have no idea how powerful you are. Stand to your feet with me. Come on, Aaron. Play for me. Just worship for me just a minute. Just close your eyes. We don't, we're not going to get the whole team up here. We're just going this to. Is, this is a moment where it's just you and God. Well, Pastor, I'm new to this. It's okay. Pastor, I disagree with some things you said. Okay, go study. But here's the thing. The Bible says that he needs you to worship in spirit and in truth. That means to worship with the essence of who he is and who you are connected. And the truth is he loves you right where you are. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. It's not my business. My business is getting people to see Jesus as their Savior. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, let's just for a minute. Let's just for a minute worship. Well, we don't, we don't have a song going. That's not what worship is. Worship is you seeing him at his best. Listen to this statement. Worship is you seeing him at his best and him seeing you at yours. See, when you know that God's not looking at you through eyes of judgment, oh, it's so easy to lift your hands. It's so easy to worship a God like that. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that chains and soul ties in my life are breaking. I thank you for the freedom of the people in this room. Lord, it's not about growing a church in numbers. It's about growing their hearts. They're growing into you, God. Ah, we bless you, Jesus.